everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengerd, founder of Wengerd Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying this. If you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Now, the last time uh, I was in the studio, I recorded a message called, What is Grace? And I just preached a message at church with the title, Grow in Grace. So I guess the focus the Lord has for me right now is, of course, grace. Now, you're going to like the title for the message today. It's been, I guess, kind of controversial in the church, uh, but I've titled the message, Does Grace Lead to Sin? So if you don't know the answer to that question, stick around. The answer is right here in the Word. We're going to find it. We're going to talk about it. I hope you all have seen the grace of God working in your lives and I hope you see more and more of that um, as his word expands for you. So um, I, I'm going to look at Romans 6. Now, I know I've said this before, but remember that God is good. His word is true. His grace is his never-ending power constantly directed toward us for good. I'm going to keep saying that phrase. I've said the only way to walk in his works is by grace through faith. We walk in the works of Jesus by grace through faith. I mentioned the different types of groups that tend to focus on one area or another and, and criticize anyone who's part of a different group or thinks or believes a little differently than them. And I don't know if you fall into any of those categories, but I'd like to tell you, this type of division in the body of Christ should be a clear sign to each one of us that the devil is just trying to cause offense and disunity in the church, and we should have no part of it. Walk away. Don't be part of it. Don't let the devil sow disunity. We know that you know, God's grace, yes, of course, it's his unmerited favor. But remember, it's so much more. It's everything that God has done for us. It's all of God's power and energy pressing toward us for blessing. It's everything that he's done is all in his grace. So his love is the power that gives his grace the ability to come through. It's because of his love. That Jesus, because of the love of God, he sent his son to die on the cross. Because of, in, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because God loved us. So while we were unlovely, he died for us. While we could no longer do anything, we couldn't save ourselves. And yet G Jesus came and did all of it for us. So if you can think of the grace of God as his power toward us and on us, we begin to see how his salvation for us is not only not just to take away sins, but it's also to be the answer for every problem. I actually had a dream of, of this um, early on when Jesus actually appeared to me in a dream and he described this to me, showed me. He said, he is everything that I will ever need. Everything. So when you need uh, healing in your body, it's not that he goes out and finds it somewhere. He is the healing. When you need finances, he is your answer. He, he doesn't just go out and somehow give it to you. He is your answer for relationships, for, for restoration in every way. He brings, yes, forgiveness of sins, but he brings healing for our bodies. He brings provision for our needs. We are to call on the grace of God and receive it through faith so that the works of Jesus can be powerful in us and through us. So I'm asking this question that many of you have had to answer, and the rest of you will probably need to answer sometime in the future. 
uh, whenever someone talks about grace. There, inevitably, someone says, well, is grace a license to sin? Isn't it just giving people a license to sin? Or, you know, the title for this message, Does Grace Lead to Sin? So every time I hear an argument about this, someone inevitably asks this question or brings it up, and it's usually asked out of a heart of great fear. People talk about, you know, the slippery slope. They say, well, if you tell people that, you know, their their sins are forgiven, then you're responsible. I've been warned about this. People say you're responsible for the sins that people commit if you tell them that their sins are already forgiven. And I'm thinking, well, then I guess Paul would be responsible because that's what he told us. He said your sins are already forgiven. Now, I want to tell you, don't just write this off. If you have believed that there is a slippery slope, I want to tell you, yes, sin is a slippery slope. I agree with you. But a better question for this, a better answer for this question is a series of other questions. I would ask, first of all, why would you want to sin? Why would you want to go out and do the sinful acts? Because the grace of God is not the thing that causes the slippery slope. The slippery slope is already there. It's available. Temptation is a slippery slope. But it's not the grace that leads you down that slippery slope. The grace brings you the freedom from it. So, the second question I would ask is, why did you receive his grace in the first place, if not to live free from sin? Isn't that why Jesus died? To bring us freedom? To bring us the freedom from the temptation to sin? So if you are truly dead to sin, is it possible that a dead person can even consider sin? That's the third question I would ask is, if you're dead, can you even consider it? Is it possible? So. I want to read Romans 6 because it talks about being dead to sin, but I just want to describe something here. If you think about uh, sin being the slippery slope, let's say, and the grace, the freedom from it, it's like it gives you the traction to get up and out of the slippery slope. Of course, sin has its consequences, but grace is not the thing that leads you in. You don't need a license to sin. So we'll talk a little bit more about that Later, but I want to read Romans 6 because this really describes how we are actually dead to sin. So he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Or some translations say, Heaven forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were baptized with him through baptism into death sorry therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life so he says we should have newness of life which means we're no longer subject to the old life for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. 
but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Then he asks the question again, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. And he goes on to say the rest of the chapter, Don't present yourselves as slaves to sin. You are freed from sin. You're freed from sin. You're freed from sin. If you look at even in uh, verse uh, 11, it talks about, okay, actually it was verse 12. It says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So do not let sin. And in verse uh, 13, he says, do not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. And in verse 14, he says, sin shall not have dominion over you. So he's talking about freedom, actual freedom from the power of sin, from the draw of sin. So grace is the actual power to keep us from sin. It's like two powers wrestling and The only way to receive the grace or the power of God to keep us from sin is through faith. We receive it by believing. You have to believe what was was described here. If you choose not to believe it, then you are still subject to the power of sin. But if you believe that grace is the power to keep you from sin, you will actually have access to it. So to, to answer the earlier question, I would say that this is not about a license to sin at all. It seems to me that the people who are focusing on the license to sin are either looking for permission to indulge in sinful practices or are simply just not trusting in the finished work of Jesus. Both of these attitudes are incorrect. And I've actually described it this way, that uh, if you want to indulge, like if, if, there's, if there's a desire in there to, dissolve, to, to indulge in sin, the desire is already there. Grace is not the thing that gives you the desire. Grace simply reveals what's already there. It's like if you give a a man too much alcohol, and if this man lusts after women and you give him too much alcohol, he's going to go hang around the women. Not that the alcohol caused him to do it. The alcohol simply revealed what was already there. That's what grace does. Grace does not give you a license to sin. Grace does not lead you into sin or take you down the slippery slope. Your heart is already there. The desire to sin is already inside that person. So grace isn't the problem. Grace is simply revealing, which really is what sets a person free. They now are revealed that the, the propensity to sin is there. So what do they do? Look in here, believe, and receive the power to be free from it. Many times people even blame God instead of seeing the distance in their own hearts toward God. They'll look at him and they'll say, why isn't he answering me? And yet it's because of a hardness of heart that they've allowed. So God doesn't punish us for sin because the natural consequences are punishment enough. The promises of blessing and prosperity and healing become far less effective when we have given the, we've given the enemy legal rights to be um, blocking that from us. We, we choose to live in sin, and then we, we wonder why healing and blessing and prosperity 
are not easy for us? Well, it's because we've made a choice to not access the freedom that we have. It still comes down to what are you willing to believe? What are you willing to exercise your faith for? God's power is still pressing toward you, but your faith to receive becomes less and less as you focus only on yourself. This is true in both the indulgent and the sin-fearful hearts. People who want to be indulgent, their focus is only on themselves. The people who are fearful of of being led astray into sin, their focus is only on themselves. It's not on the finished work of Jesus. So let's focus on growing in our relationship with God and in the finished work of Jesus. And sin will not even be an issue, either to indulge in it or to be fearful of falling into it. Either way, we are free. We are free from it because of the power or the grace that God has given us to be free. So these next verses are what I would say are probably the best description of living a victorious life in Christ. Now, there's multiple places we can find this type of description, but I I want to read in 2 Peter 1, uh, verses 2 through 10. And this is where Peter describes what it's like to live a free, victorious life. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you do these things, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never, never stumble. If you get that, you understand, he says, when your focus is on the finished work of Jesus, you'll never fall. You'll never stumble. So people have asked, uh, and, and people talk about eternal security. What is eternal security? And maybe that's something that was um, somewhat in the past. I don't know. I haven't had a discussion of, about this with anyone lately. But what does it mean when people say, well, does this mean that if all your sins are forgiven, you can just go out and sin and, and, and you're still going to go to heaven? And I would say, why would you have a desire to go out and sin? I would question, have you received the grace that God's given you? Have you received the power to be free from it? In Hebrews 13.5, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I don't know how this was described to you, but if I think of it for me, I go, well, he will never leave me or forsake me. He's given me the freedom to live Uh, the ability to live free from sin, why would I worry about whether I'm going to heaven or not? Of course I'm going to heaven. It's all been done. It's a finished work. It's complete. So there's there's one more set of verses that I want to read that it really, it, it describes how God wants us to experience his grace. It's, a, it's an amazing description, and I want you to look at it. 1 John 3, uh, verses 1 through 9. 
1 John 3, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. For we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Now you get that. In Jesus there is no sin. Whoever abides in him, or in Jesus, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed, or God's seed, remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. Wow. That's even a little more descriptive than anything else that that I've read up to this point. He says, If you have been born of God, you do not sin, you cannot sin, because God cannot sin. Do you understand? There's a oneness with God that he's describing here that I know it it sounds like heresy, but I'm telling you, you're going to have to take it up with the author. And I don't mean the Apostle John. I mean the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired him to write this. If you don't agree with this, you got to take it up with him. God's grace is is not a license to sin, nor does it lead to sin in any way. It's the freedom from sin. It is, in fact, the only way to live as truly victorious, is by grace through faith. Don't be led astray by anyone trying to say that you can do sinful acts and be free from the consequences of that. Of course there's consequences, but your very next question to them should be, Why would I want to go do those sinful things anyway? Ask that question. You'll stump them if they're trying to to, uh, lead you astray. When you are delighting yourself in the Lord, He leads you into a place of complete freedom and fulfillment. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will put His desires in your heart. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Mm